a Lord God, not only do you give us this day to praise you, to honor you, to be led by you, to serve you in some way, to love and to be loved by you and by another in our lives, uh, you give us the promise of this new year, full of, of new moments and new adventures, full of your presence and your blessings. And we look forward to those blessings, to encountering you in the course of the year, to looking for your providence and the ways in which you will lead us in kindness. Uh, perhaps with a, with a touch of, of trembling and trepidation for the challenges that may await us, but also with eager expectation and hope for the joys and promises that this year holds for us. Uh, we look forward to it and ask for the grace to draw close to you, that you might be the source of our joy, you might lead us and guide us. And so we say, glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So the year is 1984, and... We had just moved to Germany. My dad was in the military, so now you know a lot about me because I was a military brat, and my sister Annie, who's going to just continue to get embarrassed here. This is great. Um, we just moved to Germany, and my dad had grown up in western New York and had met my mom at a ski club dance in Dayton, Ohio. And so he was going to take the family skiing. So they had these trips where people from the military base got on a bus, and they went somewhere cool and, and went skiing. So we went up to Austria. and. Uh, I, one of the things I remember is that along the way, the bus had to stop on the side of this mountain to put on snow chains. That's how cool it was being in Europe and, and skiing. And shameless plug for the young adult ski trip at St. Mark uh, next month. Uh, so there we are at this tiny little village in Austria where we're staying and we're going skiing every day. And sorry, Annie, you got left behind with some crazy woman that mom still regrets leaving you with, I think. But um, you, were, you were too young at that point, I think. But one night, as we're coming back from skiing, we see this hooded, cloaked figure walking up the hill in the snow. And behind him is a donkey, has a staff, and he's wearing a bishop's mitre. And it's St. Nicholas because we're skiing, and it's the Feast of St. Nicholas. <laughs> and so they actually gathered the children of this town. And because we were staying at this tiny little house, we got to go with them, and, and St. Nicholas comes in, and there's, there's presents, and there's this whole ceremony. It's mostly in German, as I, as I remember it. Uh, but there's candy, and, there's, uh, there, and for those who are not behaving, there were switches. You know, you get switched. So guess which one I got to take home? Uh, yeah, I got, I got a switch, and uh, mom, mom at some point in some deep cleaning frenzy took it away from me, or I'd be using it for show and tell right now. But in my memory, it was the first time I remember encountering a saint, or the idea of a saint, and trying to understand what that was about, and trying to understand the meaning of that, and this was a figure, and, and you all know the story, you don't need me to tell you that St. Nicholas was a 4th century bishop in Myra, which is a, a city or town in Asia Minor, now known as Turkey, that he was known for his charitable works, and for his simplicity, and for his powerful speaking, that he had, there's this story of him helping three young women whose father was too poor to provide a dowry for them, uh, which was very important if they were to have a, uh, be able to marry and, and not be found on the streets. There's also a cool story about him slapping a heretic at the Council of Nicaea, uh, which I love to tell. Whether or not it's true, still makes a great story. So Council of Nicaea, you know, the Nicene Creed, that's pretty cool. Uh, but why, why do I tell you these things? 
about St. Nicholas. You know the story. Most of us, we think St. Nicholas, we think, you know, uh, sugar plums dancing in our head and candy canes on the tree and someone coming down the chimney. And I think what we sometimes miss, and we as Catholics need to own more and be proud of, is the fact that so many cultural touchstones for us come from our Catholic Christian faith. And it's important that we recognize that we're Catholic and Christian. Uh, because sometimes people want to su suggest that one is, is not the other. But our Catholic Christian faith has so many cultural touchstones, and it provides opportunities for us to grow deeper in our faith, uh, but also awesome, awesome moments for us to engage others in the culture, which, though secular, has these awesome opportunities throughout the year where it turns its, its eyes a little bit to the presence of God, the presence of saints, the presence of our need for gratitude, the presence of, of Jesus in the world. Right? So our culture is, is rife with moments we just experienced Christmas. And it's an awesome, awesome opportunity for us to go deeper in our faith. Uh, so fast forward a few years, and it's 2015, and I'm in Spain. And we're doing a pilgrimage, and we're going to some holy sites in Spain and Portugal. And one night we're out for dinner, and we just start walking down the street. And we encounter this huge crowd of people, and it goes for blocks. And uh, everybody's sort of milling around it, but in the center on the street, which has been blocked off, there are all these people in tuxedos and formal attire, these women with their, their veils and their mantilla. And they're, they're marching in procession. It's the slowest procession I ever saw. They moved like five feet an hour. It was incredible. But it was this huge, huge production. And so these people were, were way up in the front. And they were serious about their work. You could tell this was an important moment. that They had been selected to become part of this procession. They were doing something. But all I saw was people standing around. And you had to go back several hundred yards to find out what they were doing. So these people that were way up front taking their, their role and their job so seriously, so dressed up, they saw themselves as forerunners, as heralds of what was to come behind them. They were preparing the way. And if we went back, we, we found several bands, and then we found this enormous canopy being carried, this platform, uh, with, it seemed to me, like 500 candles on it, and this beautiful statue of Mary. And underneath this platform and the canopy above it were probably 30 men, and they would sort of, they were crouched under this canopy and carrying it along, and they had this rhythm about them. And it was, it was amazing to me how many people were involved in this procession, how many people were, had come just to watch, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. You couldn't get by the street, and we had to fight to get up towards the front so we could see what in the world was going on. And it was amazing to me that here in the middle of downtown Madrid, on uh, these busy, busy streets, God had, was entering into the workaday world, that in, our lives were being interrupted by God and by Mary. And I, I remember remarking uh, how many men were involved in this. Because oftentimes I think when we think of honoring Mary, we think of some little old ladies in veils, you know, muttering their, fingering their beads and muttering some Hail Marys in the back corner of the church after Mass. And these were men and young men that were doing their duty. Now, maybe they weren't there for the best of reasons. Maybe they were there because Abuela would, would give them the evil look if they didn't do it. Um, but they, they were there to honor Mary. And I, I have to expect that 
they were being moved and they were being touched by the hand of God in their service to God. And they took it so seriously. It was so important to them to do it and to do it well and beautifully and right. And this, this procession went on, I think, for 12 hours. So we stayed for about an hour. And then they went on and on and on and on doing this. 12 hours of honoring the Lord, honoring his mother, and serving and, and drawing attention to the presence of God in the capital of a city of Europe. It was amazing to me uh, how, how beautiful it was and how, how much they honored God. And I, and I wondered, when do we do that here in our lives? When do we do that in, in this world? Uh, and not just in the church, and not just here at the El Shabim, but out in the world. When do we honor God? When do we show God honor and love? And how can we, how can we bring God into our lives this year? And how can we... How can we do more to bring God to other people in 2018? Because, as I mentioned in my prayer, this is an awesome opportunity at the start of this new year. And the idea of a new year is really a gift from God. Um, to look forward, to look ahead, to make plans. And to say, God, how will this year be marked by your grace, by your presence? Where, how can I attune my senses to look for you in the world? Uh, in my workaday world, in the ordinary things, where will I find your blessing? How can I be a little more open? How can I look a little more deeply? Because this day is filled with a thousand and one blessings of God. The fact that you arrived here safely is a blessing from God. Check that one, right? Because there are people out there in our world today who got in the car or got on the train, and maybe they didn't arrive where they were going safely. We all did here. And there are a thousand and one ways in which God allows us to, to make plans and to see them through. And that's, that's his providence. There's so much more. So many ways in which we are guided and protected. And then, to take that another step further, so many ways in which we have opportunities to, to do good, to serve another, to love another, to grow in our own love and humility and courage and our own faith and to, to lead some other person. Now often often we we look out in the news or we look at our own life and you know and during penitential seasons and we realize how many how many bad things there are in the world or in our hearts and our lives. And and that's true, we need to deal with that, right? And so the church gives us reconciliation and the promise of God's help at all times. And we need to take advantage of those things. But we also need to rejoice and to celebrate the good. Right? And that that is the primary message of the gospel. Right? Rejoice in the Lord always. I say again, rejoice. Everyone should know how joyful you are and that the Lord is near. Right? That's, that's the message of Jesus. Rejoice, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That was the message of Advent. Remember, rejoice. And even, even as we draw close to Lent, you know, we're still called to rejoice, even in penance. You know, we are, we are, even in Lent, we are still an Easter people. Hallelujah is our song. And so we have to rejoice. We have to look for signs of joy in our world. And we have to look for the ways in which the church celebrates. The presence of the Savior. Christ our Savior. Christ our Lord. And we are his faithful ones. And it's time for us to become Olympians. Since the Olympics are coming up next year, next month. Uh, Olympians in, in the practice of our faith. So more on that in a second. 
Did you hear about the new basilica, St. Mary's in Alexandria? Isn't that awesome? Yeah. Beer break. Hey, um, here's an easy one. Hey, what is a basilica? I don't know. Let's go check it out. Uh, you're standing around the water cooler at work. Hey, there's this new thing called a basilica down in Alexandria. Let's go check it out, and we'll go out for dinner afterwards. You, my non-Catholic friends, let's go. Right? So let's go do something. Here's something new. Now, this church has been here since like 1795. But actually, it's like the third church that's there. Is that right? It's the third church, I think, um, that's been there since 1795. But so... Father Hathaway, I love Father Hathaway because he's always looking for how do we do new things and how do, we, how do we show forth the beauty of our culture and our church. And so Father Hathaway, uh, and, and maybe his predecessor, uh, they applied with the bishop for St. Mary's in Old Town Alexandria to be named a minor basilica. That basically means that the church is saying, this is one of my personal churches. Now, the Pope has a lot of those. Um, and it's a minor basilica. There's only a few major basilicas. They're all in Italy. Most of them in Rome. But um, this is a minor basilica. That means it has a special connection to the Holy Father. So I, I don't know how these things work. I imagine there is this lengthy application that they went through. Uh, so, and I imagine them bringing this to Pope Francis and saying, Pope Francis, there is this church in Alexandria, Virginia, right outside Washington, D.C., and they've asked to become a minor basilica, and here's the history of St. Mary's. And the Pope is learning about the Diocese of Arlington and Virginia and St. Mary's and how it was this church in Alexandria before uh, or during the, the administration of George Washington. And that George Washington actually donated the land on which the original church was built. And uh, there's a lot of history there, far beyond that. And uh, since we're in Fairfax, so St. Mary's right down the street here in Fairfax was a mission of St. Mary's in Old Town. And so they the priests would go from Old Town out here to St. Mary's and stay the night and celebrate Mass. And so what a neat thing. And so the, the Pope has said, I'm going to make this one of my, my personal basilicas. I have this special relationship with this church and it has to meet these standards. And, you know, on, on holy years and holy days, the basilica will be a, a place that you can go uh, where indulgences are especially granted, and where it's meant to be a place of pilgrimage, and a place where we as a faithful can go and, and explore, and not to be a museum, but to be a place that is especially marked by God. So I think it's really neat that the Pope was looking at pictures of St. Mary's in Alexandria and saying, yeah, let's make this a basilica. And it's, and it's an old town, so an awesome opportunity to gather your friends. Let's go check out the basilica, go for mass, see what it, there is to see, what the big deal is about. Um, if you, if, you, uh, if you run into Father Hathaway, you can meet him a little bit, ask him to rap for you. It's pretty cool. He won't do it. but um, And then go out for, uh, for brownies or ice cream in Old Town, or go to uh, the piano bar or something like that, down at the fish market, or, uh, or something like that. that. That's an awesome opportunity to go and do something where you're engaging your faith and living it a little more with, with, with just a little bit more sense of, of that joy and mirth. Uh, so, but... They named it for Mary. And in fact, the whole country is placed under the patronage of Mary. Uh, did you know that? Under the Immaculate Conception of Mary, that's why the big basilica downtown, which is still a minor basilica, so it's no, it's no better than St. Mary's in Old Town. <laughs> 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 I get a few more in the courtrooms, you know. 
It's a little bigger. Uh, that's why they named that the, the Basilica of the Immaculate Conception. And that too is a place of pilgrimage. Uh, but, but because Mary is so close to the Lord, to Jesus, as his mother, and she's such a powerful intercessor, so our entire country has been placed under her patronage. Um, so there's someone that we, uh, we, you should get to know Mary. Get to know Mary. Uh, make her your friend. Pray. Pray a Marian prayer. Maybe learn to pray the Rosary or the Angelus, if you, if you don't already, the Memorari, the Hail Holy Queen. Uh, and pray them with Mary. Ponder the mysteries of, of Christ with his mother, of the Incarnation, and of his ministry, and of his passion and death, and of his resurrection and ascension, how he remains with us in the Spirit, and how he honors his mother by crowning her. Get to know Mary. She's awesome. But we want to know Mary and we want to know the saints because we want to emulate them. There are heroes. There are true Olympians. And so I, I put that to you for, as an idea because we often forget why we have pictures of saints and images of saints and stained glass of saints and statues of saints in the churches. It's because we're supposed to be like them. And what do they do? They follow Jesus. And that's who we're supposed to get to know is Jesus. He is our true, our true Lord and Master, our true King. And we want Him to be our King. Um, and we want this year to be marked by His reign in our lives. Saints are genuine and authentic witnesses of Jesus. They're images. So don't, don't be like a saint. Be like Jesus. And you will be a saint. That's the goal. And, and you know, that's amazing. I think. Let's... Let's not just gloss over that idea that you are supposed to be another Christ in this world. Not just me, the priest, and the guy in black. right? You are supposed to be another Christ. You are supposed to do the work that Christ did when you open the scriptures. And, and do open the scriptures, please. Get to know the word of God and the gospels. Here is Jesus, the one you are called to emulate. The one you are called to be like. The one whom you are supposed to we, I, and you are supposed to tell others about. And the saints, the happiest people on earth, I promise you, the saints are the happiest people on earth. So if you don't want to be happy, don't be a saint. But if you want to be happy, if you want to be joyful, if you want to be someone that everyone marvels at, and you want to transform lives, and you want to make history, and, and do things that are real, and true, and good, and lasting, find Jesus and become a saint. That's, that's your call. And that's, that's our goal for 2018. Let's not wait for 2078 or 2058. Let's become saints today. There's work that the Lord wants you to do today. Let's do that today. Most of the time, what saints do is live well in the moment. They sanctify this moment. Let this moment, Lord, be filled with your presence. You know, I'm at some, some meeting sitting around the conference table and I'm bored or I'm, I'm having a hard time or, or maybe someone's really giving me a hard time about something I did or didn't do, right? Pause internally. Say a Hail Mary. Say a Glory Be. Ask for God's help. If you're really bold, you know, just excuse yourself and go to the bathroom for a minute. Pray along the way. 
but there are so many moments in our lives when, when we're talking to someone that's important to us and we're doing something important to us and we forget to stop and pray as we go along the day. We need to know how to pray. So it's a great thing to learn a few of these prayers. Most of us know the Our Father, the Hail Mary, the Glory be. I love the Memorari or the Angelus or uh, making the morning offering when I'm brushing my teeth. You know, just there are things we can do here and there throughout the day to bring God in, to bring God close. Uh, and something about the morning offering or, or pausing at the beginning of our day is that we're giving God that first moment of the day and looking ahead a little bit and saying, Lord, you, this day is yours. And I, I have plans for this day. And, and maybe you think about the plans for the day and the big things that are on your heart and your mind. For the day. Lord, I have plans for this day. But I want this day to be yours. I want this day to be blessed by you. And then go out. Pray and then go forth with trust. Or as Padre Pio would say, pray, hope, and don't worry. But let's bring Jesus with us as we go. Let's encounter the saints. So a question, and a beer. A question, why did you come to Theology on Tap tonight? Did you come to check the box? Did you come for food and good beer? Did you come to look for a date for Ash Wednesday? Um, <laughs> get back to that. Or are you looking to be transformed? Transformed by meeting Jesus. Now, it's not going to happen tonight. I'm sorry, I am not Jesus. I can only tell you about him and point you in his direction. But you already know where to go to find him. He's right up the street at St. Leo's and that way at St. Mary's. And in whatever parish you find yourself, he is there. He is whenever you open the scriptures. He is whenever you pause and make the sign of the cross. Or just call on his name, Jesus. Or his mother, Mary. He is there to help you. And he will. This is his promise. And our God is faithful to his promises. And there is nothing in your life that escapes his notice. No dream of yours that he does not know about. That, and at the heart of that dream is God. Desiring to fulfill the desire of your hearts. But I suspect that you're here looking to be transformed. Maybe we can talk about some things tonight that will help us to be transformed. So maybe you're looking for answers or information, beer or friendship. You've met Jesus before somehow. Your baptism, your first Holy Communion, the last time you were at Mass. You've been in His presence, I suspect, hundreds if not thousands of times. He wants to encounter you again in 2018 and go deeper. He wants more from you in terms of friendship and relationship and closeness. He wants to help you more, to offer you more, and to ask more of you. Because there is some part of the salvation of God for this earth and for us that he wants you and I to be a part of. You are called to be a part of God's plan of salvation as a disciple of Christ. And if you and I don't do our parts, something will forever be missing in heaven. I'm not saying that God can't accomplish his will, but he has something for you and for me, and if you and I don't do it, he's not going to do it for us. Now, I'm not saying that someone's 
Someone, nobody's going to go to hell because you or I do or do, fail to do something. But there's some part of the beauty of God's plan that is just for you and just for me. And it pleases the Lord to give us this day and the tasks that are in it, to allow the joys and sorrows of this day, to use them to fulfill a promise that all is for your good. Even the hardest thing you've ever encountered, the greatest suffering you will ever endure, God doesn't, doesn't cause it. He allows it. But He intends to use it for your good. And a lot of times I think what God is doing is stretching us. He says, you, you can do more. Um, I think all of us have seen The Grinch Who Stole Christmas, right? Great movie. 1960-whatever. Wow. That was the animation back then. But there's that moment in which the Grinch's heart, which is two sizes too small, grows three sizes that day. And actually, like, it's in a box and sort of breaks the box. God wants to stretch our hearts. And he wants to, to increase our abilities. And not just increase our, our tolerance for pain and suffering, but our, but our desire to serve and to love and to witness. It pleases the Lord to give you this day. And as he says, as Paul says in Romans 8, verse 28, all things work for good for those who love God. So even the hardest thing you will ever encounter will work for good if you ask God to help you through it. Now, if you want to reject God, if you want to fight God, it's not going to work out so well. God will still keep blessing you, but if you want to reject those blessings, that's your call. But there are so many things to give thanks to. And 1 Peter 3.15 tells us always to be ready to give an explanation to anyone who asks you for a reason for your hope. So what is your hope? Is your hope in the resurrection? Is your hope in Jesus? Is your hope that he can do anything, anything for you? That he can change the world? Because that's what the resurrection means. No one comes back from the dead. No one. But if one can do that, there is nothing beyond that grasp. Even you or me and the change of our hearts. So this year is an awesome opportunity. So enough about me telling you to go and be converted. But we need to be converted not just once, but every day. And we need to say and recognize that Jesus is our Savior. So it's a new year. Stuff, stuff's happening. Look out. Okay, so uh, at, at Marymount, right before Ash Wednesday comes, we give all the, of our student leaders... Mardi Gras beads, right? It's a big party. They go around with Mardi Gras beads. I love it. Because everybody wants Mardi Gras beads. They're green, they're yellow, or gold, or purple. Everybody wants them. And, uh, you know, some people want like 30 of them. So, we're happy to give them out. And we give our, we usually run out. And, but on the tag, there's a little, on the, on the, on the rosary beads, there's a little tag with the, the mass times for Ash Wednesdays. And this year, if you haven't noticed yet, Ash Wednesday is a little special. It's on Valentine's Day. So it's February 14th is Ash Wednesday. So, my advice to you, really celebrate Mardi Gras. 
Uh, you can do flowers on the 14th, just not in the church, right? Uh, you can do all kinds of, of things on the 14th, you know, probably maybe not so much the chocolate and desserts and sweets and things like that. But this is an awesome opportunity. And Mardi Gras is one of those times that the world thinks, oh, it's a great party, carnival or whatever. They have no idea what it's about. Maybe there's some way that you can celebrate Mardi Gras and give witness to the idea that, oh, yeah, we're doing Mardi Gras because, man, I'm going to fast tomorrow because it's Lent. I'm going to go get my ashes. You want to go get ashes with me? Let's go get ashes. Um, anybody can get ashes, by the way, not just Catholics. Uh, that's, that's not true for communion, right? But anybody can show up at a church and receive ashes on that day. So maybe that's a time for a friend of yours who's been away from the church or is curious about the church. Come, you can get ashes. Another one is the Feast of St. Blaise. Anybody can get their throat blessed on February 2nd, the Feast of St. Blaise. Um, Oh, I'm sorry, not February 2nd, February 3rd. February 2nd is um, the last day of Christmas tide. So, oh, if you go on for, to daily mass on February 2nd, they'll give you a candle. And you can hold your candle at church, so it's like a freebie. People like freebies. So, plan your Valentine's Day and your Ash Wednesday. And, and plan accordingly. Maybe it's a cool romantic thing to go to church on Ash Wednesday and do a holy hour and pray for one another. At that, I don't know. Maybe if you're me, you're just going to be putting ashes on people over and over again and saying, you know, you are dust, and to dust you shall return. <laughs> Happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> so, uh, as we go through the year, because I wanted to sort of think about, like, uh, what's the year? And I, the reason I started thinking about it was I, I got this book for Christmas, Drinking with the Saints, shameless plug. It's not my book. Uh, but if they go through the year, and they have, every day has a saint, and different saints, and some are, are well-known, and some are obscure, like today is St. Morris. I have no idea who St. Morris is. Uh, but, and of course, every day also has a drink that you can make. So today's drink is the monk. It's uh, an ounce and a half of gin, three quarters of an ounce of lemon juice, and three quarters of an ounce of Benedictine. Uh, I have not made a single drink. Maybe I'll make it a goal in life to make one. I don't know. Uh, but it's kind of, it's cool. It goes through things. But I love this quote from Hilaire Belloc. A lot of you have probably heard this. Wherever the Catholic sun doth shine, there's always laughter and good red wine. At least I've always found it so. Benedictus Domino. So celebrate the days that the church calls us to celebrate. Fast on the days that the church calls us to fast. And by the way, there's a lot more days of celebration than fasting, all right? So, you know, don't feel like the church is really that mean. They call us to fast so that we can celebrate all the more. You know, now, please, don't make it when you celebrate. Don't try to make up for all the food you didn't eat, for all the things you didn't drink. You know, and the idea here is not to make, drink as many things as possible, but to have one really good drink, really high quality and savor it. You know, and that's, that's a different idea of the Christian church, not, not to, to grab everything in sight and, and, and imbibe it, but to enjoy what we have. And it can be a finer thing. Not always. We're called to live simply sometimes too. But it can be a beautiful thing. Okay, so, as we go through the year, first Saturday of March, men, there's a men's conference here in the diocese. It's pretty awesome. There'll be hundreds and hundreds of men. Go and meet other men who are living their faith. There's always great speakers. Second Saturday of, of March, women, there's a women's uh, day of reflection here in the diocese, or women's uh, conference in the diocese. 
Um, another awesome day. I don't think it's that expensive to go. And it's a great opportunity. I think usually the bishop comes, there's priests available for confession. So you can check, and they, I think they have, well, I'm not sure if they have Sunday Mass. But you can probably check a couple boxes that day. Um, St. Patty's Day, right? Awesome, get your green beer. I don't know who has green beer. Um, <laughs> maybe make it a point that, you know, as you celebrate St. Patrick's Day, you're going to actually learn something about St. Patrick. So that when you go to St. Patrick's Cathedral in New York City, and there's people outside handing you flyers telling you that St. Patrick didn't exist, you can say, well, actually, he lived in the 5th century. And here are some of the things he did. Uh, so the idea is, let's know what these, some of these great holy feast days are. A couple of days after St. Patrick's Day, I'm going to give some of you a new one here. The Feast of St. Joseph, which is huge. Uh, especially in Italy. Uh, I used to live with this priest, Father David, and every year on the 19th, he would want to get out, go out and find these these, uh, these desserts called Zeppelis, remember this? And he loved them, he discovered them in, in Massachusetts. And every year he'd come back and I'd try one and it'd be, it'd be not good. <laughs> and I'd feel really bad for him because he was spending all this time and effort and money to go out and buy these things, and just nobody around here knows how to make these desserts. And he just really wanted to celebrate St. Joseph. And uh, so, you know, we sing the glory at Mass and said, let's go get some Zeppelins. Um, but it's, it's a solemnity in the church. It's a high holy day, and St. Joseph is another awesome patron of ours um, to get to know. Um, holy Thursday is a great day in Lent to go and do the seven-day pilgrimage, to go to Holy Thursday Mass. Maybe you can get your feet washed, I don't know. Uh, but awesome, awesome liturgies in Holy Week, especially the Triduum. If you've never been to the Triduum, I really encourage you to go Holy Thursday, Good Friday, and then Easter. And if you've never seen the Easter Vigil, it's a little long, but it's beautiful. The readings tell the entire story of salvation history. They start outside with a fire, people. Go, I love it, right? I like fire. Um, go and, and discover these things. I have something about Good Friday here. Oh, I know, at um, the Franciscan Monastery downtown in D.C., they have a burial of Jesus, which is pretty powerful if you're looking for something like As you go along, maybe there's some other things you want to do. Maybe you can download an app or an email. Thank you. That... Uh, sends you the daily daily readings for daily Mass, and you can read those as part of your morning prayer. Or maybe you can get on Twitter or Instagram and get the tweet that Pope Francis gives out every day, and get a little, just a little pick-me-up, a little inspiration for the day. There's a lot of other apps out there. There's websites like Formed or Fulton Sheen or Discerning Hearts or Focus. Have all kinds of things. There's podcasts galore. You can pop them into the car as you go along and, and be informed and learn something about your faith, and be inspired by someone else sharing their faith. I mentioned a few things here. Oh. I didn't bring it up. Oh, I did. Um, if, you're, if you're someone that, that's interested in the daily readings, that email's great. Or maybe subscribe to uh, Our Daily Bread, or uh, Living with Christ, or Magnificat, where you have a little book where they give you readings, they give you daily reflections, and it it's a great way to spend 10 or 15 minutes praying a little bit as you go through the year. Uh, the point is to give God some time. Give God time every day. You know, I challenge you, if you don't give God much time, I challenge you, you know, to give God 15 minutes a day. He wants to be the best friend of your life. If you're doing 15 minutes, maybe see if you can go a little more. What might you do during that time?
Well, you could stop at the church for 15 minutes on the way home from work, or you could do 15 minutes of scripture reading in some prayerful corner of your house or wherever you live. Uh, you can do the morning offering while you're waiting for your coffee to brew, and then spend a little time journaling about in thanksgiving to God for the blessings of yesterday and your hopes for today, offering up some prayers for family and friends and anybody that you know is in need. Uh, when do we really stop and pray? for the people in our lives that we know need it. First, you can pray for yourself. Pray for yourself. Ask, ask God for the things that you want and you need. Don't just pretend like God, God's going to give you what you want without asking it for it. I think sometimes we're like, okay, Lord, give me some blessings. Come on. It's like, be specific. Tell God what you want. If you're at, I said, if you're at a meeting or a difficult moment, pray. Say, oh, Mary. I really encourage the rosary. And if, if you're not there yet, maybe just do a decade a day. You could do a decade of the rosary while you're brushing your teeth. Maybe that's not the right way to go. But while you're sitting at a stoplight, you could totally do a decade of the rosary. Right? So some larger spiritual practices. Make an intentional pilgrimage to some local shrine or basilica like St. Mary's. Fulfill the, when you go, fulfill the criteria for the plenary indulgence, which is usually to visit on a particular day, to pray for the intentions of the Holy Father, and to be free from any grave sin, which is, well, if you've gone to confession recently, or you're going to go in the near future, then go. Go to confession. Confession is an amazing sacrament where we turn on the spigot of God's mercy and wade into the river of His love. Why do we avoid it? Why are we afraid? You know the priest goes to confession all the time. At least I hope they do. Um, the priest has, has not only heard every sin that you're going to list, but he knows his own sins. What inspires me about confession a lot of the time is, is hearing people talk about their sins and their struggles and realizing that he, either, wow, they're naming my sin in a way that I hadn't thought about before, or, wow, they're naming something that I do, and I hadn't thought about that as a really big problem, and now I realize I'm in trouble. No, that's usually not how it goes. But I encourage confession every month. Show up at a prayer event with our local bishop. Go shake his hand. Say hello. Give him your name. Tell him something about yourself. Our bishop is really awesome. When, uh, bishop Liberty is fantastic, too. He ordained me. I love him. I, I'm always inspired by him. Bishop Burbage, I feel, don't tell Bishop Liberty this. He takes it to another level. Bishop Burbage, when he goes to an event... He does not sit down and eat or do anything for himself until he said hi to basically everyone in the room. Go and meet him. Meet your shepherd. Tell him about yourself. Ask him to pray for you. He will. He, he, he writes me sometimes, Tom, I'm praying for you, he says. Join a Bible study or, or a book club, and if you don't have one in your parish, start one. And there are young adult ministers here in our area that will help you if you don't have that. Celebrate, celebrate, celebrate. Pick a feast of the church and celebrate. You know, maybe, maybe you want to do something for the Feast of the Assumption in August just because it's the summertime and you love the summer. Or maybe All Saints Day, you want to go downtown to the Dominican house where they have the vigil of All Saints Day and the enshrinement of the relics. Or maybe it's Immaculate Conception because it's the patronal feast of, of, of the United States. So, let's see, six, seven years ago, I was a young deacon at St. Ambrose up the street here in Fairfax. 
And it was the day after Christmas. And I, you know, I, you know, I'd been focused on Christmas, hadn't had my mind on the calendar or anything like that. And Father Fisher, who's still there, uh, he had a little deal with me. He said, Tom, uh, if you want to preach, you can always preach, but I'll never make you preach. So a lot of times in the morning, Tom, you want to preach? Uh, sure, Father. Or, no, I don't think so. They thought, okay, Tom, I'll preach. Great. So that morning, the day after Christmas, he says, Tom, do you want to preach today? I said, no, that's okay. You know, I, I haven't had my head in the game today. Um, you know, stay out a little too late. I'll say, if, if that's okay, Father, you preach. So we get out there, and Mass begins, in the name of the Father, and Son, and the Holy Spirit. And Father Fisher says, today we celebrate the stoning of a deacon. <laughs> I missed my chance to preach as a deacon on the feast day of St. Stephen. And, and, then the, and then the pastor says, today we celebrate stoning deacons. So it was a great moment. Um, other, other big events that are happening uh, that we can think about. When you're going on vacation, bring God with you. Go to Mass on Sundays. The obligation to go to Mass, which is one of the Ten Commandments, yes, doesn't go away when you go on vacation. When, you, when you're at Thanksgiving with your family, make sure you pray. If no one else is going to lead prayer, volunteer to pray. Be bold. If you want to write it up ahead of time, go ahead and do it. Pull it out. If you want to write me and ask me for some thoughts for what to say at Thanksgiving, I'd be happy to help. Maybe ask everybody, hey, let's go around the table. What are we thankful to God for? Thanksgiving is a secular day that our country has enshrined to do nothing other than eat and thank God. We need to grab hold of that day. That needs to be our day. We need to live Thanksgiving like this is awesome. Let's go thank God and watch some football. You know? <laughs> Let's bring God with us into these days. And when when the Christmas season starts the day after Thanksgiving, right? Like this is awesome. I can't wait for Advent to start. Are you going to do anything special for Advent? Right, let's bring Advent back. If you really want to do it, don't just celebrate Christmas on December 25th. Have an Epiphany party. Or a Feast of Mary Mother of God party. Right? Party. Celebrate. Rejoice. Allow God to be part of the celebration. Um, a couple other thoughts as we go. Um... I want to throw out a couple books at you. Like, Father Jacques Philippe is one of my favorites these days. He's really great. He writes in French, but most of his books are in English now. He, he comes to the diocese every two years or so. He was here last year or so. But his, this book, Searching for and Maintaining Peace, anybody want that? Is 110 pages, okay? You can do this, right? It's awesome. I have another book by Father Walter Chizek. He's kind of a standalone. He's passed on now. But it's about him going to Russia at the outbreak of World War II and being in a concentration camp and in a gulag for years and how he lives his priesthood and how he comes to see that God has sent him. It is beautiful. And if you are going through trial or through suffering, this guy knows what you're talking about. Another guy that's been making some waves lately is Cardinal Sarah. He's got an awesome book that is really popular called The Power of Silence. And we, all of us, could use a little silence in our lives and our world. Some oldies but goodies. Matthew Kelly. So he's got Rediscover Catholicism. He's also got 
the, sign, the four signs of a dynamic Catholic. He's also got another one I didn't bring called Resisting Happiness. If you're resisting happiness, maybe you should read it, because most of us are probably resisting happiness. And then a lot of us have heard of Scott Hahn. He's got a newer book called Joy to the World. Um, it's a, it seems to be about the nativity. I haven't read it yet. I got it for free at Holy Trinity. You go to Holy Trinity <laughs> on Christmas, they give you a free gift. <laughs> you can get the Drinking with the Saints book, too. It's pretty great. Uh, one other thing is that there's a synod in Rome this year, in October. And the synod is on youth, faith, and vocational discernment. We should be paying attention to what the Pope is saying and what the Church is saying about things. You know, not only just the Basilica of St. Mary's, but, you know, a few months ago was the 100th anniversary of Fatima. That's pretty amazing. And the Church is speaking about these things. Uh, the Pope is speaking about what's important to us. And this, this whole synod is about you. Like, apparently it's not about me anymore. I've aged out. But uh, youth, faith, and vocational discernment. And there's going to be bishops and cardinals and theologians from all over the world talking about what it's like to be a young person in our world today. I think that's going to be interesting. And that's going to be this October. And they'll put out documents and things like that. There's all kinds of other sites that you can go to that tell you about the Vatican or what's going on in the U.S. Church. Um, and I'll let you find those on your own. But my, my, my hope for you, my prayer for you, my thought for you is just that you will live a little more intentionally your faith this year. You don't have to do everything I said. Please don't, don't think you have to. But pick one or two things. Do a couple of things for your faith more than you did last year. If I, if I, if I didn't challenge you in some way, come talk to Eric or Allison. They'll, they'll push you hard. Um, Eric and I and a couple other guys are in a community called Youth Apostles. And we, uh, we do a lot of work with young people. But we were just on retreat, and we were uh, in small groups. And the whole point of the small group is to, to share what's going on in your life and to, with love and care, push your brother. To help them, to support them, say, what do you think God is calling you to do a little more on this year? So that's my question to you. What are you looking for, and what is God calling you to do a little bit more on this year? Um, it's going to be an awesome and fantastic year, and um, we'll have lots of reasons to celebrate and raise a glass um, and to be with each other. And that's, oh, that's my final thing, is on community. Um, don't live your spiritual life alone. Find others. Find spiritual mentors. Find spiritual friends. People that help you and encourage you to be good, to be virtuous, to be holy, and call you out for it. We could all use people that that help us to be holy. So I think I'm going to stop there and open this up for questions. Or comments or booze, apparently. Yes, in the back, <laughs> check sure. So I'm looking more into, uh, as for my description, to get more involved with evangelization. Uh, do you have uh, do you have any any uh, ideas of uh, how I could go about that? How to get involved with evangelization? Yeah. That's a great question. Um, I highly, highly, highly recommend a document that Pope Francis put out a few years ago called The Joy of the Gospel. And it's about evangelization, how we become evangelizers. And one of the, the key pieces there is that our lives of faith and our work of evangelization is not about telling people what commands they're supposed to follow. Often we as Catholics make the mistake of leading with the controversial issues like, hey everybody, and it's, you know, it's that week of the year when we have the March for Life and things like that, so these things are high in our head. 
But instead of focusing all of our energies always on why we oppose abortion, and we do, and we should, and we ought to, and there's a lot of beautiful reasons why the church promotes uh, a true understanding of the human person. What, are we talking about the Lord? Because Pope Francis is saying it's an encounter with Jesus that transforms hearts. If we want to get the world to change and be transformed and be converted, we need to change hearts. We need to have an encounter with another person. Now here's the thing. Pope Francis talks about going to the periphery. So look left and look right. And that's your periphery. You know, the people around you are the people that God has placed in your midst. Right here and at work and at home. These are, this is the place where you're supposed to, to work. So does that help at all? So the idea of evangelization, by the way, maybe this is more to your point, is I have met the one who is love itself, and I cannot be content, I cannot rest until I have shared it with another. And maybe there's just one person this year that I'm going to share the Lord with. Maybe there's three people. Three is a good number to start with. That I'm going to try to share my, and love in a special way and share my faith with in some way. I encourage them, invite them to come to church with me. Or invite them to come to a Bible study or something else. Maybe maybe Mass is a little too intimidating. Sometimes we invite people to Mass because like this is, this is the show. And it's true. This is the center of our faith. But a lot of people aren't ready to go and to stand and seal it, sit and kneel and pray and, and say the creed. and um, That can be a bit much for a lot of people. Maybe, maybe something else. Maybe it's you that are going to share your faith with them. To, to open up the scriptures, it's, are you prepared to tell somebody why you're a Catholic Christian? That's evangelization. Because our world has heard about Jesus. Everybody's heard about Jesus and that they've been saved and we're supposed to believe in him. Yes, he is our savior. And we need to own that. Jesus is my savior. Why is he your savior? Why is he important to you? Why is your faith important to you? And if it starts with because this is what mom and dad taught me, that is awesome. That your parents taught you about Jesus and pointed you in the direction of heaven itself. If not, heaven is calling you now. How is heaven active in your life? Because the thing that's going to convert people is our joy as Christians. So does that help a little bit? It certainly does. Okay. Probably didn't answer your question, but gave you a lot of things to think about. Ruthie. Yeah, read a paragraph and stop for half an hour. Yeah, it's like amazing and you can go back and read it. But anyway, uh, should read that more again. Um, you talked in the beginning about um, like asking God for help and just praying and um, staying close to Him. And I know a lot of people who, um, including me, you know, who pray to God for things, like things that we really need and really want in our lives. Um, but those prayers aren't always it doesn't seem like they're being answered. Like, totally. God, like yeah. God, help me. Or like, I'm still waiting. Yeah, what's that? I'm still waiting. <laughs> yeah, right? So, how can we encourage people in our lives who are in that place where they're like, I don't know what to do, or I'm just not 
are losing losing faith. Yeah. Like, yeah. Because they're praying, but they're just not hearing anything. Right. And that's the hardest part is God's answers come in ways and times that we don't always love. And oftentimes I have found it's only years later that I can see the tracing of the hand of God in some part of my life and why I became a priest. It's only after the fact that I can understand. And in the middle of it, there's suffering, there's struggle, and there's trial, and there's, there's hard work. Hope. And that's why we have to grab hold of moments of celebration. But I'm convinced that we need to look around today and look for our blessings today. If I can start counting my blessings today, and this is a great thing to journal about, so I didn't talk about journaling much, but journaling is another thing to do with your year. Uh, to, and then to look back sometimes on where we started 2018 and where we ended up. I'm convinced that we do not express gratitude enough. And if I was better at looking around today and seeing how God has blessed me and, and practicing that every day, I would become more aware over the months and over the even over the years. So this is where patience is involved. That I am being blessed in tremendous ways. And that God is really leading me. And God is worthy of my trust because He answered my prayer in some way. Or He brought me through something that I didn't see coming and I survived. Or I held on. Or I found strength I didn't know I had. Or, and this is often true I find, the answer, the blessing, the solution was was different from I expected and more beautiful and and far beyond what I wanted in terms of its scope and its depth and its complexity. Uh, that I wanted one little thing and God was not content to give me just one little thing. But he he, he provided for, for me in so many ways along the path that I didn't see. And I think we can only really be able to have that kind of trust and confidence. Because, so when we look back, in a way, not to live in the past, but to be aware, it gives us strength and courage to look forward. And um, our hope is based in the resurrection, but it helps a lot to know that we can, we've been able in the past to count on this guy that we're placing our trust in today. So I don't know if that helps so much, but I often encourage people to journal about the good things that happen and their gratitude. Um, yeah, yeah. Bring that to prayer. Make an act of thanksgiving to God. Let's let's be intentional and deliberate. That when good things happen, when bad things happen, we turn to God. If you are having the worst day of your life or the worst year of your life, here I go and go. Go tell God about it. I dare you to yell at him. He can take it. Now, don't make a scene in the church, please. But <laughs> go yell at God. Tell him, tell him what's going on. Tell him why you're upset. Tell him why you're frustrated. Because um, he wants to hear. And he, this is the funny thing. God knows the heart, desires of our hearts, yet he desires that we know the desire of our hearts. That we vocalize, at least internally, what we want. And we ask, and he delights in answering our prayers. He delights in having us ask for things so that He can grant them. Some, some people are afraid that, well, God's not going to change, so why should I ask for anything? God has set up the system so that when we ask, it's an opportunity for Him to give. And that's, that's also why we go to Mary a lot, because we remember the wedding at Cana and how Mary goes to Jesus 
when nothing else works, and Mary moves Jesus. I'm not saying that you can move God, but God desires to move for you and with you. And there is nothing that God wants to desire but to those who love Him. So, you're welcome.